Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend this hour with us. So I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and empower people, especially adults, to own their voice that come in so many different forms. So this space was created to talk with people with all different jobs, hobbies, and interests, and have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. One, how do you define creativity? Two, how do you incorporate it into your life? And three, why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to talk to musicians, Reiki masters, mediums, doctor, lawyer, real estate agents, and so many more. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as their soul's essence, courage, imagination, basically all that we are and wanna be. So sharing these stories expands one's thinking and opens up self-expression to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. My inspiring guest for today is Angelique Kapoor. She is the health care industry guru and is an award-winning career, leadership, and business operations expert and writer who delivers high-energy presentations that challenge audiences to consider simplicity and perspective. Audience love her practical, easy strategies that can apply personally, they can apply personally and professionally. She has a background in management and leadership, and her career spans over 17 years in the healthcare industry, as well as business ownership. Anjali, welcome to the space. Hi there. Hi. So happy that you're here. Yeah, me too. <laughs> welcome, welcome. You made it. I did. In one voice. Yes. <laughs> Safe and sound. So, Angelie, after reading that just little bit about yourself, um, can you please tell people a little bit more? Yeah. So, um, again, I am currently a career and leadership coach. I specialize in working with people in healthcare, um, pretty much because that is where I came from, from being in healthcare for over 17 years now. And, um, you know, my experience during my time in healthcare and also my career climb um, just helped me to go through the experience of career transition and also in um, becoming and developing as a leader. And so, I mean, from my experience during that time, as well as overcome or running into and overcoming the challenges and obstacles that you go through and going through those types of experiences, um, you know, I decided to take my passion for um, training, coaching and mentoring others and um, really help them to overcome those same or similar types of experiences um, to help them, you know, give them support and guidance and advice to help them to achieve their goals faster while, um, you know, kind of avoiding some of the things I had to learn on my own. So that's just a little bit more about me. I love that, right? It's kind of like we want to, uh, this is why we do this, so we can help people speed it up so they don't have to have the same pitfalls that we did. Exactly. In a sense, or at least save them a little bit from some of that uh, to get to their end goal a little faster. Mm -hmm. Precisely. 
So yeah, so I'm really looking forward to really diving in um, because I love the things that you mentioned about uh, career climbing, career transition, developing as a leader. I mean, there's so much about problem solving and expansion and creativity. I just, I can't wait to kind of dive into that. But before we do, I'm going to ask you a would you rather question. Okay, sounds good. And see where we go. So would you rather have a new cool shirt every morning or a new pair of shoes once a week? Mm, that's a tough one. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a lady, so I love clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm a shoeholic. I love shoes. I mean, you if you do. can see my closet, it's full of shoes. And my husband's always like, you don't even wear that many shoes in a year. So I'm going to have to go with the shoes. <laughs> I totally thought you were going to say the shirt because of that, but you're like, no, I got to go. <laughs> I need more shoes. <laughs> you can, I mean, there, I have no idea why, you know, this type of thinking exists, but you know, there's just shoes that you see that you have to have, even though you think you're only going to wear it a couple times. But anyway, yeah, that's, that's what I would do is go with the shoes. So wait, since you said that, I need to know, like, what is like the, the pair of shoes where you're like, I have to have this and you've maybe worn them once? Um, they're mostly the, you know, pretty shoes that you would wear to like cocktail parties or, or big parties like that. But it's like, you see them in the window and you're like, oh my God, those are beautiful. I have to have those. And then, so you get them. And like I said, I probably wear them once or twice a year to cocktail parties and holiday parties, but then the rest of the time they just sit in their box. Right. But are they heels? Like, are you a person that can wear heels? I am. Yeah. I mean, over the years I, you know, I can't wear the, the, the big heels anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I still love wearing heels. Wow. That's an art form in itself. That's a creativity. <laughs> it is. I cannot walk. I cannot walk with heels with, I mean, I fully, cause I, I mean, I don't have much experience, but I really have to concentrate because I just keep thinking, which is in a great fall. way to think, I'm don't turn fall. your ankle, don't turn your ankle, don't turn your ankle. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny because when we, um, my husband and I get ready to go out to dinner or somewhere, um, mm -hmm. he always has to assess my outfit and my shoes. He's like, okay, think about where we're going and what we're doing. Are you going to be okay in those shoes? So he has to talk some sense into me sometimes because I'm more about the fashion rather than, you know, the health of the situation. I love it. You see, this is like, <laughs> we never, if we stick to our just regular questions, never would have known this. <laughs> so last thing I'll say about shoes, everybody. So I have like two pairs of shoes. I'm like so opposite. I want more shoes, but I never take the time. So, and my feet, I have flat feet, whatever. So um, I have like these ugly, like, but very comfortable tan, like slip on clogs. Mm -hmm. And my daughter, who's like a fashionista, she's just like, oh my God, mom, seriously. Like the rest of the <laughs> outfit isn't bad. And then you put those damn shoes on every time. She's like, find another pair of shoes. I'm like, I don't have another pair of shoes. So it's always becomes like this whole, yeah, this whole topic. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I'm like, where did you, you know, your kids can be so opposite of who we are, which is sometimes the right, which like, is kind of crazy. <laughs> It's like, where did you come from? <laughs> so anyway, okay, so here we go. So thank you to those who are joining us live. Um, 
we appreciate you. Please feel free to put any questions or comments in the chat box where we can see them. So, Angelie, to kick off the first official question is, how do you define creativity? Yeah, so, I mean, you think this would be kind of an easy answer, but when I was thinking about this, I was like, oh my gosh, how do I define creativity? I think for me, it's really um, about expression and about uniqueness and you know, creating authenticity and being genuine. Um, you know, I think when we hear the word creativity, the first thing that comes to a lot of people's mind is like art or music. Um, but I really think that creativity exists in everything. I mean, we have um, creativity and the expression of our thoughts, our different ideas that we have, different insights that we develop, um, of course, in our knowledge. Um, everybody is just so unique and it gives us the opportunity to be creative and create this um, authentic way, this genuine way of doing things. So I feel like creativity just really brings about variety and diversity into our life and into the world, really. Oh, I love those words, variety and diversity. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. So this is exactly why we're having these conversations. And my company, like the mission is to expand the societal definition beyond drawing and painting and to mm -hmm. truly empower people to understand um, what their voice, what their talents are, what they're good at, and to feel empowered. And if we didn't have, just like all these things that you said, you were thinking about it and creativity is expression. It's our thoughts. It's the knowledge that we have. It's how mm -hmm. we're unique and authentic because you and I could go through a similar scenario, but we will have completely different perspectives and takes on it exactly. in the way it plays out in our lives because of our experiences and our views and all of that, which is the beauty of it. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Right. So it's like, that's how, I mean, with my companies now with when teaching, you know, for 30 years in the classroom art, I mean, the beauty is I've always, I'm still always amazed that you can put out one objective. Like today we're going to be working with these materials or mm -hmm. the objective is to express what you think um, uh, love is. Mm -hmm. And there will not be one version that's the same as the other. There could be similarities, there could be parallels, but they are completely different lenses on the topic. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. I kind of find working with my clients that I work with too, that um, you know, we go through the same type of phases through coaching. But, um, you know, everything that we work on in regards to the different topics and concepts, two or three people might be working on this same thing, like say confidence, but um, in regards to, like you were saying, their perspective and kind of how they go about approaching different things and the thoughts and the insights that they have about the same thing is just completely completely different. And so I feel as a coach, you know, um, one of my responsibilities is to help steer people um, and guiding them and supporting them in the direction that they're going and then help them to kind of see a bigger perspective or see the whole picture or see things um, in a different way than what where their where their thoughts and perspectives are. Yeah, that whole thing, like when we're in it, we're so close to it and we can't exactly. see it. Mm -hmm. So you can have this third party that, you know, isn't biased in any way. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so let's dive into more a little bit deeper into what I call this moving up from an entry level position to upper management. So the creativity and all of this kind of going into that, um, tell us, was it, did you start in healthcare? 
17, was this your main thing? It so- was my main thing. I mean, you know, um, after graduating high school and going through college, I kind of dabbled in different things. Like I was in retail sales for a while. I worked um, at uh, an animal hospital because I really loved animals. But but yeah, I kind of found my place in healthcare, and that's where I spent you know a majority of my career in. So what did you do in healthcare when you so started? I- I actually started in a clinical position. I started as a surgical technologist, and I know that most people don't know what that is, but they're (laughs) the people who hand the surgeon's instruments in surgery. So I thought that was really cool. So I was like, oh, I want to do that. I'm going to learn so much. Um, And so I, you know, went to school, got a degree for that, and then um, started working for hospitals, and I did that for four years. Now, um, you know, I just after a while it started to get monotonous and it was the same routines over and over and the operating rooms were always cold. They keep them super cold, you know, to prevent infection. So I was tired of, I got tired of standing all the time, all day doing the same type of things and being cold all the time. And also I wanted to work with patients while they were awake rather than asleep. Mm -hmm. So I decided to um, look at the administrative side of healthcare and I actually transitioned into that. And I started, um, in an entry-level position as a receptionist. Um, and what I found really interesting when I started to work on the administrative side of healthcare was that, you know, every time I, you know, I was in my entry-level position, but after a while, about a, one or two years later, I really felt like I wasn't being challenged anymore. I felt like um, I wasn't utilizing my skills and my experience to the fullest capability in the position that I was in. And I really felt like I could better contribute and better impact people in a more positive way. So, you know, that's kind of where my climb up the healthcare career ladder started is that, um, you know, I felt like I could possibly fulfill um, feeling like I was being utilized fully and impacting people to my fullest if I went to the next um, position. And that kind of became my habit, my pattern. Um, you know, every time I got into a new position, the same thing would happen one, two, three years later. So I go, oh, okay, so let me just move up to a new position. And so before I knew it, I was in the leadership and management ranks. And, um, you know, I really thought, oh, wow, you know, I'm, I'm a manager now, I feel like I have a lot of responsibility, and I'm going to really be able to impact more people. But the same thing kind of happened once I reached my management positions. Um, after, you know, a couple of years, I kind of felt the same thing. So unknowingly to me now, you know, on hindsight, and the path that I've been on, and the journey that I've been on, I was really looking for fulfillment and purpose in what I was doing. And so because I was trying to fulfill that um, unknowing, you know, intention and mission in my life, um, it just led me to, you know, climb up the career ladder. Mm. So I'm wondering, so as I listen to you talk, it's kind of like two words that popped into my head were expansion and challenge. Mm -hmm. Like you were consistently ready to expand. Right. And you were just like, I just want to grow. Okay, this is great. Okay, I want to grow. Mm-hmm. And some uh, more, I need some more. <laughs> more. Like, I need more of a challenge. I need more, you know, things to do, more ways to stretch myself and see my capabilities. Um, I'm wondering, was there anywhere along the way where people said, no, you can't move up, or it was more of a challenge than you thought? Um, 
I think when I reached the management roles that I that I started to get into, I started as a supervisor and then I moved to a assistant manager and then a manager and then I was a manager in a couple of different positions. But I really found more of a challenge in those roles and more of the challenge that I found was the people aspect of it. Um, you know, in, in previous roles, it was all about, um, you know, you had your list of tasks and expectations and job duties, and you just worked every day to fulfill that. Um, when I got to the management roles, it was... Um, you know, I was responsible for people. I was responsible for how operations ran. So it was definitely more of a challenge in terms of that because I went from more of a structured way of working to more of a functional way of working of, you know, every day was different and my day was kind of um, revolved around how to make sure that people were getting what they needed and also that operations were running smoothly. So that's really where I started to run into some challenges. Mm. Are you, it doesn't sound like you're this kind of person, but were you at any point the kind of person where somebody was like, no, you can't move up. And you were like, uh, okay. Or I don't accept that answer. Oh yeah. No, I'm not somebody who takes no for an answer at all. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I, you know, feel like I'm capable of doing something or if there's something that I want to achieve, I'm, I'm, I'm all in, I'm going for it. So if somebody tells me no, um, then it just gives me more fire to move, you know, further. So yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely not a no person. <laughs> I got that. I got that feeling. And it's funny because when you said fire in my head, I heard fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, you said no, perfect. Mm -hmm. And that just means that I'm going to work that much harder, or I'm just going to have to go this way instead of that way, or go someplace else or whatever that means. Um, exactly. It's actually funny that you bring that up because, you know, when I was um, in my management positions, a lot of things that I would do is I would you know, come up with these process improvement projects or things that I felt uh, if we did differently, they, they would be more effective. And I did run into more no's, you know, from upper management and the physicians that I worked with. But again, I'm not a no girl. So I would just find another way to do it. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is great. So this is why I love talking to people who do all different kinds of things. Because Thinking of this word creativity, which mm -hmm. we're not looking at within the context of drawing and painting, um, we're looking at it within the context of how you live your life. So when you're in these positions with people saying no, then how, how did you make something happen? How did you creatively approach the situation in order to get the outcome without like a complete World War Three or something like that? Yeah, so I actually learned that, um, you know, looking at the perspective of the other person and trying to figure out why they were saying no or why they were resistant to a change. I mean, um, you know, all of us, just people in general, when it comes to change, it's we, we picture change for the most part as a bad thing, um, especially when you're talking about being in the workplace. Um, you know, if you hear, oh, something's going to change, you're like, oh, no, now what <laughs> type of thing? <laughs> right. So there's lots of resistance to change when it comes to the workplace. And so I just really learned to take it to kind of take a step back and be more observant and aware and just kind of look at, okay, where's the resistance coming from? Why do we not want to do this? And a lot of it was I discovered was, you know, people in their comfort zones. 
and not wanting to leave their comfort zones, not wanting to mess up their routine, not wanting to, you know, change their habits. So I really had to look at it from, okay, how is my proposed change going to actually help you and benefit you? So that's kind of how the the different perspective that I started to look at things when I was getting some resistance to some of the things that I thought would um, you know, create efficiency and improvement was um, just really stepping back and trying to understand more um, why I was getting the no or why there was resistance. I love it. It's just, it's so, isn't it so freaking key? I mean, as you were talking, I'm thinking, okay, you were observing, you're being a listener, you were seeing what the reason is without getting defensive, without mm-hmm. putting your foot down and saying, well, this is happening whether you like it or not, <laughs> right. without, which just creates more anger and um, confrontation. Exactly. So it, it, it's kind of like getting to that point and just being calm about it and assessing the situation and then saying, okay, how can I how can I help you? Like, how, how can I help you in a way to see how this will work for, I'm solving a problem for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but putting it within their vision, within their perspective. Exactly. My, my gosh, it's a freaking game changer, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, that was probably, you know, one of my bigger, bigger lessons that I learned was kind of winning people over without manipulating them, but helping them to see something in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally, um, going to the classroom, um, it's just when I'd have 25 kids in a room doing one project per se, but having so many different ways that it could be done, I'd meet resistance in so many ways of kids being like, well, I don't want to do it or, Mm -hmm. um, I'm not, but a lot of times the, I don't want to do it stemmed from, they didn't feel like they could do it. Mm -hmm. And maybe it wasn't a topic that interested them, So they didn't want to put effort into it because it didn't interest them. But kind of like you were saying in your situation, it's what I needed to do in the classroom was quickly assess and be like, okay, meet them where they were and say, in whatever pertains to how we were, what we were doing, well, what do you like? What do you enjoy? Mm -hmm. Oh, you like music? What kind of music do you like? I like this. Oh, well, maybe you can make up your own, you know, and I would apply it to what we were doing so it was solving the problem. They felt like they could be successful at it. They had an interest in it. And then they could, it was easier to get them, you know. Yeah, yeah, it makes in. perfect sense, yeah. Yeah, so the beauty of all that. But I think that's an art in itself with what you were saying, because especially in a manager position, you know, you hear so many times, you know, people aren't, happy with their manager or people are, you know, putting their foot down because it's a power play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To have the awareness to uh, really be there and be a listener and an observer, but get the job done. That's yeah. An art. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. And thank you for that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, in my, in my positions and my management positions, I really took it a, a stance as, um, you know, keeping in mind that, you know, I used to be where they were, like I had a manager and, and like you were saying, different like power plays or people telling you what to do rather than listening to you. So I was really, um, you know, cognizant and empathetic to that because I, again, I came from that. So I know what that was like, but um, just, you know, 
I really wanted, I took it from a perspective and, and a kind of a leadership style of, you know, I'm there to support you. I'm really in service to you. Um, and to, in that leads you to, um, you know, uh, creating efficiency and improvements in our companies, serving our patients and our doctors well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how the, the stance that I took that. Yeah, so this is perfect. So then let's kind of lead into a little bit deeper dive into what you're doing now. Um, because here, like on your website, you're the healthcare industry guru. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, so tell us more about what you do. Please. Yeah, so um so, you know, throughout my climb through my career in healthcare, um, you know, when I got to my management ranks, like I said, I still felt like I wasn't fulfilling that need to feel like I was being purposeful and um, fully contributing and, and things like that. So I kind of got to this point, this pivot point. Um, and it's actually, it happened when I actually got laid off from my last healthcare management position because of financial distress for the company. But um, at that point, I really need needed to figure out, you know, am I going to continue in these roles and continue to climb this ladder? Or, um, you know, am I going to do something different where I feel like I'm going to be able to satisfy that need to um, feel fulfilled and feel like I'm con- contributing and being at my fullest potential in another way? So um, I decided to um, you know, look at the aspects of my jobs that I really loved. And I really loved and really became passionate about um, working one-on-one with people, um, supporting them, coaching them, mentoring them, and training them. Um, you know, I worked with all my staff, my leads, um, you know, even our doctors. And so, you know, I worked with them with different goals, like career goals, um, improving their customer service, improving their empathy, those types of things. So um, I decided to go ahead and head in that direction because it was just something that I loved. And um, so in my becoming the healthcare guru, you know, I really focused on people in the healthcare industry because that's, you know, kind of what I know the best and in uh, helping them transition in their careers, you know, I find that a lot of people kind of went through what I did is, you know, they're um, wanting to advance in their careers and wanting to reach a certain level in regards to their professional lives. Um, and I also found that, again, the struggles that I went through becoming a leader in uh, my management positions, it, it completely exists and exists not just in healthcare, but in every industry I found, you know, there's a real lack of uh, management and leadership training in the work world um, that makes it really hard for people and companies to um, thrive. So um, really just trying to fill that gap of the lack of management and leadership training so that you know, managers and leaders feel confident and they feel capable and they feel like they are inspiring and empowering their teams um, the way that they should be so that, you know, their companies are able to grow and thrive. Gosh, I love that. You're filling, totally filling that gap. I love how you're using the word thrive. Mm -hmm. You use that multiple times. Um, So people don't feel like they're floundering and um, like they just have to figure everything out on their own. Exactly. Yeah, God, yeah. So did they bring you in? They bring you in as a consultant, correct? Yeah, if I work directly with companies, I consult for them or people can hire me individually as their their coach. And mm-hmm. we work um, together on helping them, you know, achieve those goals. 
So you do, do you do group work as well? Um, trainings or predominantly one-on-one? Yeah, I do do workshops and webinars and then one-on-ones and then um, corporate consulting. Yeah. So I also like that you really brought up the word empathy in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you could talk to me more about that word, please. Yeah. So um, to me, empathy is a big word. And actually when I was, you know, a manager in healthcare and working with my staff, we would actually talk about empathy all the time because it's something that I found that, you know, because of the different challenges and struggles that happened in the workplace or even in just our lives in general, um, empathy can be something that we tend to not have. Um, You know, I heard it a lot or saw it a lot when um, patients would complain about how they were treated or, um, you know, how staff would complain that they had too much to do or something like that. Um, And it, it really came down to helping them to get back to being empathetic to, um, you know, these patients are not well, so they need to be seen. Or, you know, I know that, that this situation with this patient um, upset you, but look at it from the patient's perspective. So I think that um, just empathy, all, for all of us to have empathy in, in the different settings and situations that happen in life is really key to us um, again, kind of creating that awareness and um, expanding our perspective and expanding our frame so that we kind of see the whole picture and kind of can understand things from the other person's viewpoint. Yeah. Those words, awareness and expansion, they're just such powerful words, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Gosh, I remember um, a while ago, um, I, I had I was in a group where I heard doctors doctors who had creative abilities and then there was like a conversation going and one particular doctor was talking about how he started incorporating his own. He was, he ended up really kind of falling into photography Mm -hmm. and just really enjoyed it. And he ended up putting his artwork up in his office and it wasn't from a point of, Oh, look at my artwork. Isn't it great? It was, to show some kind of commonality and starting off as a conversation point with patients. Mm, so when he spoke to people, people would say um, something about the work and he'd say, I just love doing this. What do you like to do? Mm-hmm. And it would just create conversation. And then that way it would, you know, disseminate any kind of anxiety. It would create a bond. Um, they People would feel like they were being heard. And I heard him say that and I was like, exactly like you said, brilliant. <laughs> It's so, so simple, so simple, but brilliant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's actually brilliant on his, on his um, part. But um, I actually found that doctors tend to have a creative side as well, but um, they don't tend to share. And I think to your point, I think if they share that a little bit more, or kind of, you know, empathize with people or kind of try to connect with them a little bit more, um, it would be you know, a stronger relationship and they'd have a more of a trust relationship with their patients. 
Because you think about it as a doctor, I mean, there's many different kinds of doctors. If you're going, you know, natural, you know, general doctors, you know, surgeons, whatever, you're working with your hands, you're working with your intuition, Mm -hmm. you're looking at, um, you're looking at charts, you're reading, you're synthesizing information. I mean, there's so much to be looking at. And there's so many angles to be able to go with. So there's so much, you know, creativity within all that's done. And I mean, God, think about just like a surgeon. Mm-hmm. Talk about friggin' like sculpting like with your hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What you must have seen in the operating room. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely experience that I loved. I definitely loved having done that. But but again, you know, it was something that I ended up moving on from. But yeah, I mean I saw some amazing things um in there and and the the things that doctors are able to do to um you know help people is just amazing yeah i have to say this is kind of a side note but just to know a little bit more about me so i had my uh first child was a c-section um and second was natural but when it was an emergency he was an emergency c-section and my husband ended up he was allowed in the room and um you know they put the fabric up and mm-hmm. When they, you know, cut me open, Arthur's like, cool, huh? I can see your insides. <laughs> I was like, shut up. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah, I, I um, did some cesareans too. And it was so funny because it's so funny that you bring that up because when that happens, we have like either one or of two reactions from husbands or partners. <laughs> and it's, they think it's really awesome or they pass out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because the doctor, I remember the doctor looked at him. He's like, are you going to pass out? And Arthur's like, no, he actually like went pre-med like, and then he ended oh, up nice. becoming, you know, a filmmaker. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was just like, he could have been eating a sandwich while he was doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But- <laughs> those, are, those are the typical two reactions we get. <laughs> this is so awesome. Or yep, he's gone. <laughs> he's on the floor. Down. <laughs> Well, you actually sometimes it used to have to have a nurse like near the the person at that time to make sure they could catch them if they were oh, somebody God. who was going to pass out. But yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't want to see it. And he's just, I'm like, oh my God, now you've seen like way too much of me. <laughs> like exactly. you have literally seen me from the inside. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> but um, you also made me think while we were talking about this, that somebody in my family, like a third cousin or whatever, she is also going to school with some kind of setting and approach, which just this example, I love this idea. Uh, like if somebody's in a coma, um, the thinking is, is that you know this person as a whole person mm-hmm. and uh, like literally play music that they would enjoy, put pictures up of what that person has looked like in different stages of their life. Um, put things around the room that represent them. So when the doctors go in and the nurses go in, they're able to look at them as a person, not just a person in a coma. Right. Yeah. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but- yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. I was just going to say that, you know, one of the, the biggest things that I had to work with, with staff um, and kind of the most recurrent thing was they did kind of get into this view of, um, seeing patients as numbers. And then of course, on the other side, patients were feeling like they were numbers. 
And, you know, I could see it from both perspectives. From the staff's perspective, I could see it as, you know, they are expected to see this big load of patients every day on their schedule. Um, and they can get into that um, kind of mode where they start seeing patients as numbers and not really connecting them um, as people. Um, and that really, you know, obviously it can affect how you care for people when you're like that. And then of course on the patients end, you know, they didn't want to feel like numbers. They wanted to feel like somebody truly cared for them and was seeing them as a patient. Um, and you know, I mean, we're all patients, so we can, we can empathize with that. You know, we don't want to go to the doctor and feel like, oh, we're, we're just a chart number. We want to, we want to know that we're being, um, treated as a person and the human that we are. So it's really, again, working on that connection and that empathy of, um, you know, think about this person in this situation and also think about, you know, yourself going through that situation or a loved one going through that, that situation. Um, then how would you move forward with that? So, yeah. Do you find that, I mean, this could be a whole other discussion, I guess, but to keep the answer short, is it is, it, is that a bigger problem? I mean, that's like the whole healthcare system in general where doctors are being told that they have to see, see a certain amount of patients in order to meet a certain quota and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. That That is definitely one of the probably biggest problems in healthcare is that doctors and staff are expected to meet a certain quota um, because we do, you know, there are doctors that exist that want to take their time. They really want to really pay concentrated focus and attention on their patients, but they can't because of the standard in the industry. Right, right. So it's amazing that you're there because you're there as this middle person to help people grow to help people thrive, to help kind of be a light in a tunnel, if mm -hmm. and to also bring this mindset piece. You've been in it, so it's not like you're just talking from this woo-woo place of right. of anything. <laughs> like you've been through the trenches, but here you can talk to them about the power of awa awareness, consciousness, um, and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, you know, when I was going through. Um, being a manager and going through my different management positions. And then of course, being a coach, um, just so I never knew the power of the mind until I got to a place where I really had to start utilizing mindset and, you know, being aware and conscious and, um, you know, and of course the awareness and the consciousness really starts with you. We always think externally and try and change others, but that's not going to work. It needs to start internally. And it really, you know, started to, to, to um, come into focus and something that I realized that I needed to be better equipped in and better knowledge in, um, in order to myself um, perform well and then help others to do well as well. And it's really something that um, you know, because it's, we're not taught these types of things in school. It's not really brought to our attention as we grow up that mindset and being mindful is something that you're going to need throughout your life. It really, um, you know, it comes kind of later um, where you start to, to realize these things and, and, and grow your mindset and improve um, in your mindfulness. So. Yeah, I have to say that there has been more of a push and an awareness in um, many districts and spaces to bring it into the schools at younger ages. 
So yeah, I'm really, really happy to hear that the school that I left um, three years ago, like they had yoga as one of um, the classes that Mm. all kids took um, along with uh, for specials, you know, art, music, dance. Uh, And I I have a friend, um, actually a few people that actually go in working with I love this pre K to second grade, talking about mindfulness. Oh, nice. So it really is, like you say, it's it's a very important component because it helps us to, it helps kids to evolve and have like more tools um, so they don't have to learn it when they're 30. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and 40, bring that <laughs> in, into their vocabulary and mindset to actually be like, oh my gosh, life can actually be like easier. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we're happy. So let's kind of hear a little bit more about how you actually incorporate creativity into your own life. How do you do that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, let me say, let me think back to, excuse me. um, You know, I really don't overall think of myself as a creative person, but I think that, um, you know, thinking about um, the subject of of this podcast um, really kind of helped me to get more in touch with my creative side. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really helped me to recognize the creativity that I've had throughout my life. I mean, again, I think, you know, creativity um, is is something that is more prominent in childhood, I think, because we aren't scared to utilize it. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, as we grow and become adults, um, we, we have more fear about standing out of, um, you know, being told no, or being told we can't do that, or, or being labeled as somebody who's different from everybody else. So our creativity tends to get hampered down and hindered a little bit more as we grow older. But as children, we don't care. So, you know, we'll use creativity in everything. And again, it's, um, you know, a child's different thoughts and how they, they look at things and um, how they do things. And, and they're creating that creativity. Um, now, throughout my own life, I mean, I, you know, realized that I actually do have, you know, some creative muscles that I used to flex. Um, you know, as, as a kid, I actually, in the third grade, I started a um, newspaper for my school. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I actually, you know, um, got my friends together and we all decided to start writing these stories and these articles and stuff like that and doing these interviews. Um, And so, you know, that's something that I felt like I was creative in. And I was also into dance a lot as a kid. I played the piano. um, And you know, that kind of went into high school. I was also um, really into writing. I love writing. I still write today. Um, but, you know, I was on the newspaper staff. I was on the yearbook staff. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of how creativity has standed out throughout my own life. And I mean, today, um, you know, I still love writing articles and blogs and, and uh, posting things in magazines and writing ebooks and, you know, of course, you know, social media stuff. So I feel like um, I'm creative in those ways, as well as in how I kind of process and problem solve. um, And continuing to help my clients um, kind of help them navigate uh, how they're uh, going about achieving the different goals they have in their professional and personal lives. Yeah. 
And I want to thank you again for validating my company because this is <laughs> so I created I am creative to to confront or pinpoint or bring awareness to the fact that us as adults get stuck in this whole adulting thing mm -hmm. and we deny ourselves joy and happiness because of responsibility. Exactly. I have to pay the mortgage. I have to pay the rent. I have to take care of the kids. I have to take care of the cats. I have a job. I have responsibilities. I have all this stuff. I couldn't dare like just go for a walk and exercise. <laughs> like I don't have time for that. I can't actually like sit there and doodle and just kind of do that. That's stupid. That's something that kids do. Well, you know what? <laughs> These are the things that actually bring you more connection, more awareness, more expression, mm -hmm. which then translates to joy and happiness. So those things that you mentioned that you did when you were younger, like talk about there in third grade, you were showing the initiative that you would take. Um, yeah. <laughs> Like, okay, here we go. I'm going to like get a bunch of people together and we're going to start this newspaper. And now if you fast forward to where you are now, it's the same thing where you're like, okay, I'm going to create this. I'm going to create that. I'm going to move up here. It's those things that are kind of innate within us. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to challenge you to think of this creative aspect of yourself. You said that you love shoes and clothes. Mm -hmm. There's creativity in that. Oh, yes. No, I realize that. Like the shoes have to go with a specific outfit. <laughs> <laughs> so but even the fact of how we when we get up, how what we choose to put on our bodies for the day mm -hmm. is a is a choice. So right. you may think that I fall into this at times. Well, I don't have a choice. I mean, I do have things in the closet, but some people take much a very concerted effort of some people lay their clothes out the night before. Some people pick randomly in the morning. Some people have to have colors coordinate. Some people like love shopping. Some people hate shopping. Some people, I mean, there, <laughs> there's so many ways on this. Do you like shopping for clothes in person online? Do you have a preference? Um, I've done it both ways and I don't have a preference. I have found that I have to be in a particular mood to do live shopping. Mm -hmm. um, I have to be in like a proper mindset to do it, <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> weird, but yeah. It's not. Do you get cranky if you're not or do you not find things? Or... I just don't find things because I'm not, um, you know, I'm just not in that type of energy where I, I want to buy something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't get cranky, but I'm just, it's like, you know, I'll just wander around and not buy anything. And my husband will be like, are you feeling okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you didn't buy anything. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh my gosh. Are you a bling bling person? No, no, mm -hmm. not really. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I do like pretty things, but, but no. Mm -hmm. So how about sports? Do you like sports? I do. I grew up on football. My dad was actually a football coach um, when I was growing up as a kid. So, mm -hmm. Do you do things like sports on your own or are you like a sports watcher, appreciator? I'm more, yeah, I'm more of an appreciator. I didn't really dabble in sports when I was growing up. I mean, I was, you know, on dance teams and I was a cheerleader. So mm. I was more on that creative side. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said you did dance. How was that up to high school? Or was that just when you were younger? Um, It was both. 
because uh, I did. I was on a dance team. Um, the last time I was on a dance team was in my early twenties. I was on a hip hop dance team. Oh, cool! Yeah. Uh huh. Do you oh, dance? Oh, and how can how can I forget this? My my husband and I salsa danced up to a few years ago. Our first um, dance at our wedding was a salsa dance. So that's actually how we met with salsa dancing. Seriously? Oh my gosh, yeah. that's so fun! Yeah. <laughs> wow. Would you guys take a uh, class again? like now or is that kind of yeah, like we did yeah. that? Yeah, I've, I've constantly, you know, I'm, I shouldn't say constantly, but I, you know, every now and then poke him and say, you know, we should really start taking dance again. We really enjoyed it. But, um, you know, with COVID that's been happening yeah. and, and things like that, um, yeah. I definitely want to get back into it soon, even if it's online, at least we're doing something. What did you like about dance? I, you know, I didn't realize I didn't realize it until recently, just kind of what dance has helped um, me do and, and what it does for me. Um, I always just loved like losing myself in the music. And, you know, I don't know if anybody out there can connect to that, but um, yeah, just moving around and just kind of getting lost in, in the, the feel and the rhythm and the words of music. And um I actually discovered at a retreat that I was at a couple of years ago that music and dancing can be actually very healing. Mm-hmm. Um, during a retreat that I was on, we did more of an intentional internalization type dance where, um, you know, you really, you didn't just listen to the music and, and move to the rhythm, but you were really um, internalizing and exploring, okay, what type of feelings is this, is this bringing up for me? Um, you know, what type of beliefs does this bring up for me? And so um, to me, you know, now dance is not just exercise or fun. It's more of a healing type of art as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Such a healing art. Um, Mm -hmm. And those words that you used are so important to me is getting lost, Uh, getting lost in the space, because anything, you know that that's something that obviously resonates with you when you lose track of time, when you lose track of of worry and fear and anxiety Mm -hmm. (laughs) and all those ick feelings, because you're so in the space and you're just calm or energized or whatever that feeling brings for you. Um, you're just in it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the best feeling. It is totally. I mean, you know, you totally let go of your stress of the day, let go of everything that you're worrying about and you have anxiety about. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. So this is what we're talking about. It's like, find these things in your life. So find these things in your life where you can release, where you can just be, where you can heal, and it will bring exponential change in your life when you allow it, when you give yourself permission to be in it. Mm-hmm. It's it's just, it's a life changer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, a friend of mine who was in my last uh, multi-author book, Creativity is Whatever You Want It to Be, she does, um, she done dance. She's a, a breast cancer survivor two times. And uh, she does a whole program on uh, incorporating dance for healing. And when she was healing the second time around with, uh, in the hospital with cancer, uh, she was kind of, you know, in the space that she was mentally. And then she was, she kind of went back to dance. Mm-hmm. And she's like, just because they're saying I can't, just like you said, that's more reason for me to be <laughs> like, 
I'm going to do this. And she found that moving and working to move her hands up, like it just started to, it gave her more energy. It gave her more purpose and it healed her. And once they saw people were amazed at the change within her, she actually started working with patients on the floor. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing to me how a lot of our healing, even of things that we think we can't overcome, really starts from within. And it's really about just letting go. Yes. Because what we don't express, we repress. Exactly. Exactly. So you have to go in. Sometimes as uncomfortable as that is, because you have to deal with stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like you're not just skirting over it. You have to own it. You have to have the conversations. Um, but then you move through it in whatever way that is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there we go. So as we're getting to the top of the hour, the third question, which kind of wraps it all up and puts a nice little bow on it is, um, why do you think creativity is important? Yeah, I definitely think creativity is important for people to grow, for for the our generation and our species to evolve. I mean, if you look back through history, you know, um, our greatest inventions and the greatest um, things that have helped us to grow and change have come from creativity, from people thinking outside the box. Um, so, you know, I think that creativity is important for us to um, grow and improve and also um, evolve as, you know, not just individuals, but as a group and as people. Yeah, I'm glad that that's, that's a great word evolve that you brought that into the mix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because if we stay in that space of, like we'd mentioned in the beginning of um, just being comfortable, mm-hmm. you just stay comfortable and why should we change something? And then there's all that fear that kicks in with change. We need we need to evolve and change because if it remains stagnant, that's just, that's death. Yeah, exactly. If things stayed stagnant, we'd all still be wearing, you know, whatever we were wearing back in the fifties or something. (laughs) (laughs) Change is important. Creativity is important. I just heard my daughter say, I, I always refer to her when it comes to clothing stuff. I put something on and she goes, take that off of your body right now. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking? I'm like, it doesn't work. She's like, no. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> it's always good to have a, a, a daughter in the house. Yeah, you should do a show with her. I'm sure you have a great time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So this has been fun. Angelique. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for taking this hour to chat. Oh, yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Loved it. Yeah, well, thank you. And same here. And how can people connect with you? Yeah, so people can find me on Facebook and Instagram. So my handle is at Angelique Kapoor Coaching. I'm also on LinkedIn if you just want to um, look me up, Angelique Kapoor. And also check out my website. It's AngeliqueKapoor.com. Yeah, great. So easy to find. Yes. The name, the yep, name.com. It's always my name. It's always the name, <laughs> which keeps it nice and simple. So before I say my my closing goodbyes and everything, is there anything else that you're feeling a need to add on to or share with people before we go? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I just want to kind of give people this final thought is don't be afraid of creativity and don't think that you aren't creative. Um, We are all creative because we're all unique. We're all individuals. We're all original. So you have creativity. You are creative. So just don't be afraid of your creativity. Don't be afraid to express it. Um, You know, don't let others try and put you in a box or make you um, be a certain way. You know, be unique, be genuine, be authentic, and just be you. Yes. Perfect way to end. Couldn't think of a better way. Wow. So everybody, this space is all about inspiring each other, connecting and sharing stories. I believe we've always needed it, um, but I think we need it now more than ever. So please like, follow, share, give her a nice review so it can lift everything up and all those beautiful algorithms on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and every place where there are podcasts, I live. So (laughs) I really, really appreciate all that. And um, I just appreciate you. So I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, wherever you are in this world and look forward to talking to you soon. So goodbye, everybody. Feeling inspired? There are so many ways to do things for you, to get yourself moving, to get your creative juices flowing and to have fun. Check out I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing. Go to IamCreativePhilly.com. I am creative Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y dot com. And check out the experiential kits. Check out Creative Shui, which is all about creative inspiration and guidance. And for Express Yourself Publishing, there's so many multi-author book opportunities. So I would love to chat with you so much. Everybody has, everybody's creative. Everybody has a voice. Everybody has an expression. And I can't wait to meet you. Thank you so much for taking this hour to listen to our stories and share the energy. And I wish you a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in this world. Bye, everybody.